Alright, so Ezekiel chapter 22, I hope you were paying attention to the whole chapter, but it's a pretty rough chapter, and as he was reading that, I was just thinking, oh, the, the men of God today, when talking to politicians and our leaders in our country, if they would speak as Ezekiel spoke. The problem is, if they did, they would get treated like the prophets did, and instead today, we see our politicians always, or our preachers always flattering the politicians, and rarely saying anything negative. But here, Ezekiel is laying it out, just calling out all the wickedness that this nation is doing. Israel was currently under God's judgment during this time. This was during the time of the Babylonian captivity. And I want to point out a few things to you before we get to the main text. But notice in verse 24, he says, Son of man, say her, thou art the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things and have made her many widows in the midst thereof. You know, they had prophets like we do today who told the people what they wanted to hear. They told the politicians what they wanted to hear. They get paid off. They would get the prominent positions. They get asked to speak at all the political meetings and things like that. But those guys were the same ones destroying souls. And they're still doing that very thing today. And then the guys who tell the truth, they're the voices like John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, getting attacked all the time. And you know, another thing that just popped into my head while he was preaching, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm tired of the guys who are actually out there calling out all the wickedness in our government being people that aren't even preachers you know it's pretty sad that you know just when lost lay people have more backbone than a lot of so-called men of god it's, it really is a sad thing but here it says her priests the, the condition is very similar to what we see today the priests the ones who are supposed to teach people the difference between the holy and profane her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between holy and profane. They have showed no difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hid their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. They make God look bad. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery, and I have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And so, again, this was another big thing they were always bringing up. You take care of the poor and needy. I talked a little bit about that on, on Wednesday. Take care of the stranger. They didn't do that. They took advantage. But here's what I want us to focus on. Because while the spiritual condition of Israel during this time was very similar to the spiritual condition of our country, I don't believe God has changed when it comes to what He's looking for in our nation. And in fact, I, I think I'll go as far as saying, I think the only reason God has not destroyed our nation is because I do believe there is a remnant out there like God was looking for here in Ezekiel chapter 22. And I would encourage everyone today to be that person. And if you're not that person, start being that person. If you haven't been that person, keep it up. You matter more than you realize. And the title of the sermon today is Stand in the Gap. Notice what it says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. So we hear that term about that standing in the gap. God said, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap to stop me from destroying the land. 
Okay, now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but as he was reading, as he was reading this passage, a lot of other thoughts that you know, I didn't even plan on talking about were coming to my mind. But I thought, you know, a lot of times we're like Elijah, where, you know, we're praying against the land, okay? How, how many has ever just said a little imprecatory prayer against America before? You know, I mean, listen, you, you can't watch what's going on. I mean, your brother Jason, right before church, he gave me this newspaper article. I, I'd heard about this in the news. Our, our governor is a psycho, okay? I'm sorry. Our, our, no, I'm not sorry. Our governor is a psycho. And you know, our, our governor, who did not want people crossing the state lines to go to restaurants during his lockdown, that same governor didn't want people crossing state lines to go to restaurants and to go to stores where they weren't going to be treated like criminals and lepers and all that kind of stuff, is now doing everything he can to make sure that people can cross state lines to come get an abortion in, in this state. He's also... And they're going after these crisis pregnancy centers, people who are just trying to deter women from butchering their baby. He's trying to make it where they can't do that kind of thing because, you know, it's a woman's right to choose, you know, but don't you dare try influencing them into choosing life. I mean, how desperate are these people to just kill babies? What is with these people? It makes no sense at all. And I don't want to talk about this stuff. I need to get to the message. But folks, again, I guess I'm just saying all that. That you know, if you felt a few times before, like Elijah, like Lord, they've killed thy prophets. You know, they've you know they've done all these things, and I only am left. I get why you feel that way, and I feel that way, and I've I've probably said a prayer or two before. Just you know, go ahead and let the comment come, wipe the state out, whatever. But you know, give us a chance to get out. But at, at the same time, um, I you know. I would encourage you today to, to not be that way. Okay? Because I do, God's looking for someone to stand in the gap. He says, therefore, because he couldn't find anyone to stand in the gap, therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. So during this time when God's given this prophecy, Israel was in the Babylonian captivity. They were currently under the judgment of God. And while we know this judgment was temporary and that there was going to be a restoration that was coming, you know, without a doubt, there were probably many during that time that were calling out to God for mercy, you know, and wanting God's deliverance. Not necessarily because they were repentant of all the sins that they had done, but just because they wanted out of the trouble that they were in. And so here in Ezekiel 22, God is instructing Ezekiel to let Israel know her sins because their sins were many and that they uh, that their sins were great. They had been sufficiently warned. I mean, they had been warned again and again, prophet after prophet, and now their chickens had come home to roost. And so, but in these last two verses, there are some very important lessons that we can learn that I think are applicable to us as Americans who live in a nation begging for the judgment of God, who live in a state begging for the judgment of God, some very important lessons I want us to get a hold of and that we can that I think will help us a lot and hopefully encourage you to keep doing right. But the first thing you need to, we can learn from this is that even though Israel was super wicked and super deserving of God's judgment, God didn't want to judge Israel. God didn't want to judge him. 
You know, God, he, he doesn't get pleasure in bringing the hammer down on people. We see in Ezekiel 33, 10, Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? So God doesn't want to judge. God wants mercy. Remember Nineveh. We're going to talk about Nineveh in a little bit. Nineveh deserved to be judged, but God didn't want to judge. And people, people love talking about how loving God is, but they don't want to talk about how just God is. But folks, you can't understand God's love without understanding God's justice. Because if we don't deserve to go to hell, if we don't deserve to be judged, then what's the big deal about God loving us? No, it's a big deal God loving us because we deserve to go to hell. Because we deserve to be judged. That's why, that's why it's a big deal. And that's why, too, you know, you've got a, you know, a generation of preachers today that they want to talk about grace, but they don't want to ever talk about the law. They want to talk about God's love, but they don't want to talk about man's sin. And then they wonder why people are underwhelmed by God's love. You've got to show people their transgressions. You have to show people the wickedness of their sin. You have to show people the consequences of their sin. You have to talk about hell. You have to talk about things that are unpleasant. I mean, and look at what Ezekiel's doing in this chapter. I mean, he is just laying it out. He is naming the sins. He's calling them out for it. He called them an abomination. He called them a bloody city. I mean, he's, he's not holding back at all. He's telling them the truth because they needed to see their ways. And after he has this whole chapter of just calling out sin after sin after sin, what do we see? God's looking for a reason not to destroy them. And folks, I believe that's the same thing today. I believe God is looking for a reason not to destroy America. I believe God is looking for a reason not to destroy our state. God doesn't enjoy doing these things. And so he's looking for someone to stand in the gap. Just, you know, and here's the thing about a good judge, too. Did you know a good judge does not have to enjoy sentencing people to death, sentencing people to prison? You know, I mean, it would be kind of, we'd, we'd have a problem and people would be a little concerned if some judge with glee is just sentencing people all kinds of things. You know, the truth is, sometimes a good judge is going to sentence somebody because that's what they deserve. They're going to sentence somebody because that's what the law calls for. And a good judge is not about just doing his pleasure doing what brings him joy or whatever. A good judge just does what is right. And understand, punishing sin is right. And it is, it is required. But there are ways that, that, you know, there can be forgiveness. There can be mercy. There, there can be many things that can help prevent that that will not go against God's justice. And God is looking for those things. And so God is looking for people to stand that gap because God doesn't want to, God doesn't want to judge us. We also see God is specifically looking. God is searching. God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap, but I found none. God is looking for a reason not to judge. Now that's opposite of a lot of us. 
You know, some of you, you get real spiritual and what does it do? It makes you look for a way to judge everybody so you can nail everybody. That's not how God is. God's looking for a reason not to judge. That's how we ought to be. When, when we see people mess up, we, you know, I, I'm not saying that we just neglect things, sweep things under the rugs, but it ought to be our desire to forgive people, to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's like these people that are always just waiting for a preacher to say something wrong so they can throw them in hell. That's messed up. You give people the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes people say things wrong and some people need to get thrown into hell. But just understand, you know, it should, you shouldn't be anxious to do that. Like, I, went, I listened to 45 sermons and I finally found him saying something. I'm so excited. I'm finally going to expose this false prophet. And then, you know, and then you listen to the clip and it's like, that's still not real clear. Ugh. I really wanted to nail that guy. That's messed up. You know, give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, and I hope you all aren't doing that in this church, just looking for people, just waiting for them to slip up, spying on people, you know, watching everything you do on social media, saving screenshots of all their texts, recording their phone conversations. Listen, I'm sorry, I have no use for people, you know, these screenshot collectors, these people who record conversations all the time. You freak me out. You know, I, I, think, I think you think everyone's evil because you are evil in your heart. And let me just mark it down, folks. And I'm saying this in front of everybody. If I ever record your conversation, you'll know it because I'll be telling you. I, I just have a policy. If I'm going to do weird, sneaky stuff like that, I'm not going to be weird and sneaky about it. There's a time to record people's conversations. But I, I, I should at least be... If, if you're so dishonest, I need to record your conversation. I'm going to be honest enough to tell you. Okay, So... I'm telling you right now, you can go search my computer. I don't have any files on any of you all. Uh, you're not going to find any voice recordings of any of our conversations we've had. You can look at my phone. You're not going to find screenshots. I'm not building a case against you. Because like, uh, like that prosecutor, isn't that, isn't that what they do? Those prosecutors, they build a case against somebody. We're, we're sure they're guilty of something. So let's start building a case and they go looking for evidence. You know, and, and I get it. That kind of thing needs to be done in the world sometimes. But when we're doing that in church, we've turned into a freak show. And I'm just not interested in being a part of a freak show. God's looking for reasons not to judge. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for intercessors. Genesis 18 and verse 20. Now, intercessor can be one way or the other. Like Elijah made intercession against Israel. But God's looking for intercessors for people. For those who are in sin. And in Genesis 18:20, and the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord, and Abram drew, Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? And you know the story. Abraham, Jews got down to ten. But God couldn't find ten righteous people there, so God had to destroy it. But notice, listen, this is not Abraham being sympathetic towards Sodomites. Abraham didn't care about the Sodomites, but you know what? He cared about Lot. He cared about Lot's family. Abraham cared about the saved that was there. And so Abraham is literally making intercession to God and, and literally change God's mind 
into where he wasn't going to destroy it if there were ten righteous. But you know what? There weren't ten righteous. So God still ended up destroying it. But notice how he's making that intercession. Now, we sh- it's okay, and I believe we should, intercede for our nation. It's okay for us to do that. You know why? Not because we like our politicians. Not because we like the wickedness that's going on in this nation. Not because we support the sodomites. Because we love the saved. Because we love the righteous. Because we love those who would suffer, who have not participated in the wickedness. Not everyone is for the wickedness that is going on in this country. There's good people out there trying to live their lives, wanting to serve the Lord, that, you know, that want, want to do right, and we don't want to see those people suffer. And you know what? It's okay for you to intercede for yourself too. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through a famine. I don't want to go through, I, I don't want to go through those things. I don't want to have you know, my wife to have to go through those things and my children to have to go through those things. I don't, I don't have to deal with that stuff. And you know what? It's not wrong for you to make intercession and to say, Lord, please spare this nation. Lord, I, I know what's going on with abortion. But Lord, my wife's had eight kids. We obviously don't support abortion. You know, we obviously aren't caught up in all that stuff. Lord, you know, look at our church. We've got little kids everywhere. We obviously believe in life in this church. Lord, don't judge us with all of them. And you know, and, and again, we know when the great judgment comes. We know when the God's wrath is poured out in the world in the big way for the final judgment. We know we're going to be pulled out before then. But that doesn't mean our nation's not going to get destroyed before then. It doesn't mean there's not going to be some great judgment historically before God pours his final wrath out on this world. So it's okay for us to make intercession and say, Lord, we don't want to deal with these things. Lord, we've seen what you've done in other countries for the same sins. But Lord, we're not all like that. We don't support these things. We believe, we believe in biblical values. We practice these things. We teach these things. And Lord, if you do this to our nation right now, we're going to suffer with our nation. And, I, and, and listen, the Lord is still just if He doesn't. We're still going to love you e- either way. That ought to be your prayer. Lord, I, I will serve you. I will do the best of my ability if you choose to judge us. But I am asking you not to do it. It's okay. You know what's okay to do that kind of thing? Don't we do that all the time with people that we're close to, people that we love? We try to influence their decisions in our favor. Why? Because sometimes we want things. Your kids do that to you as parents all the time. They try to change your mind on things. And it's okay for us to do that with God. And we see all the time, I've preached sermons on this before, and I, I preached the last time the games were here, about people changing God's mind. God closed up Hannah's womb. But Hannah changed God's mind when she prayed. And, and I do. I have no doubt God needs to judge our nation. But at the same time, I know He doesn't want to, and I don't want Him to. But when God goes searching for someone to stand in the gap and make up that hedge... I don't want to be able to say I found none. And so we, and I believe God was specifically looking for an intercessor and nobody's doing it. Nobody's interceding for Israel during this time. And so we ought to intercede for Israel. We ought to intercede for others. When you see other people sinning, when you see other people heading for God's judgment, begging for God's judgment, it's okay for you to pray for those people, intercede for those people, say, hey, Lord, give them another chance. If it's somebody that's not saved, Lord, please let them live another day. Give them, Lord, please give them more opportunities to be saved. If it's somebody who's saved and they're backsliding and they're looking at being chastened by God, pray for God to give them a chance for repentance. God to allow them to get right and to get their heart right and to spare them that judgment. 
We ought to do that. In uh, Exodus 32.30, it came to pass in the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will come unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. Moses said, God, they deserve to die. Kill me instead. That's, that's pretty bold right there. You know what he's doing? He's making intercession for Israel. And listen, God loved Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. I'm not, I'm not taking you out, Moses. I'm not, I'm not going to kill you. But you know what? God loved Moses. God wanted to answer, give Moses what he wanted. And so God wasn't going to kill him. So you know what God did? God didn't kill all those people. Moses stopped God from killing Israel. And folks, they deserved it. As soon as God does these miracles and gets them out of Egypt, they make a golden calf and they say, this is the guy that brought us out of Egypt. They're having their naked pagan party there, worshiping a golden calf. They should have died. But Moses, he got in the way and said, no. He says, therefore now go, lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron had made. So they still got in some trouble, but not near as much. And that generation didn't get to go into the promised land. But God didn't kill them all right then. Why? And again, we might not stop God from completely you know, or doing anything to this country, but maybe we can make it easier. Maybe we can make it not as bad of a punishment. But it, it really is a shame when professing Christians are bad intercessors. Because when you stop and think about it, you know, we, we, all, we all love. We all love and we throw into the face of the false prophets versus like Romans 8.33. When you have these people that come along, I don't think you people are really saved just from believing on Christ because you haven't repented of this sin. You haven't repented of that sin. You know what they're doing? They're making intercession against us because of our sins. And sometimes the sins they bring up about us are legit. But what do we like to do? Who shall lay anything to the charge? of God's elect. It is God that justifieth. We understand we're not justified by our works, but by the works of Jesus Christ. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. So we do. We throw that in the face of these false prophets who will bring up our sins and act like we're not saved, but then they're like, I repented of all my sins, so therefore I'm saved. You know, I quit my drinking, I quit this, I quit that, and you... You haven't changed enough. You're not really saved. And we, do, we will throw this verse in their face. We'll bring up the fact that, you know what? Yeah, I'm not perfect, but Jesus is making intercession for me. And then we, when it comes to making intercession for others, I don't even really know how to do that. You haven't learned from what Jesus is doing for you right now? Right now, Jesus is making intercession for you? Right now, all of us who claim that we believe in eternal security, we understand that we have eternal security because we have an eternal high priest who keeps us saved and who makes intercession to God. We understand all these things. So if we understand these things, then this concept of making intercession for other people should be something that we know pretty well. I'm not saying we have to enjoy doing it, but we ought to know how to do it. 
There's a lot of things that we know how to do them. We just don't like doing them. But but the thing is, just because we don't like doing it, doing it doesn't mean we shouldn't. And I get not liking to make intercessions sometimes. Sometimes I want to see the hammer dropped on people, but I believe God's looking for intercessors. God's looking for intercessors. You know what? The, the day is going to come where you're going to need an intercessor, and it will probably help if you've had a history of being an intercessor. You know, maybe some of the people you made intercession for, they'll be the ones that will come to bat for you in the day when you need intercession. So I just, I'm just telling you right now, it is in the best interest of all of us to just be good intercessors. And to just always be praying for people. Always, we should always, not, not, not rebelling against God, not fighting against God, but always trying to get in between God and those who deserve judgment. We should be doing that kind of thing. That's good. That's Christian. God, God respected Moses. God respected those who made intercession. And you know, even Elijah, as great as he was, when he made intercession against Israel, God called him out for it. You don't even know what you're talking about, Elijah. I've got 7,000 that have not even bowed the knee to Baal. Elijah was wrong. As great as that man was, as, and he was, he was one of the greatest. But when he was making intercession against Israel, everything he accused him of was true. But what he was wrong on was on the amount of people. There were more righteous than he realized. You know what? There's more righteous in our nation than we realize. But the problem is, too, they're all being canceled. You know, the problem is, you know, we're, we're not around all of them. There's, there's more than we realize, so we ought to keep making intercession. So without a doubt, God didn't enjoy seeing His Son go to the cross, but at the same time, but at the same time it pleased Him in the sense that God was glad for our sakes. He was, and turn over to Isaiah chapter 53. See, He was also pleased because of the fact that Christ's death satisfied his wrath and didn't compromise his justice and holiness because we i'm going to show you two things that might seem to conflict in the bible but they don't in isaiah 53 verse 10 it says yet it pleased the lord to bruise him this is prophetic about jesus he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So when we read Isaiah 53, it looks like the crucifixion is pleasing God and making him happy. And it is, in the sense that God's wrath is being satisfied, that justice is being performed, that mercy is being made possible, that forgiveness is being made possible, that salvation is being made available. Because God loved sin, the sinful world, God was pleased with what Jesus did at the cross because it enabled and made possible salvation for mankind. But at the same time, we also see in Matthew 27, verse 45, now from the ninth, sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did you know that it also was something that God wasn't even able to look at? Seeing His Holy Son bearing the sins of the world? That I, and I don't know too, maybe one of the reasons God wasn't looking was because, I mean, I, I, I just feel like that moment at the cross that the only thing in between God 
and destruction of this planet was Jesus Christ. That was it. And God couldn't even look at it. It was, it was that, it was that disgusting of a thing. But yet, so while the crucifixion of Christ was a horrible thing for God to behold, it was also at the same time something that pleased him because God wanted to be able to be merciful. God wanted to forgive. God didn't want to destroy. God didn't want to judge. And God, because he was holy, if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, he has to judge and we are all in hell. Every single one of us. So we see, we kind of see both emotions there. So again, you can, you can stand here all day long rattling off the sins of our nation and you would not be wrong in what you're saying. We could talk about the wickedness of our politicians, of our state, of our governor, all these things that are going. You would not be wrong in the things that you're saying and you wouldn't be wrong in saying how God feels about it and how God hates it and God's disgusted and how God is that close to judging our nation. But you know what? It's a, God would still be pleased. And God, I believe God is looking for somebody to get in between Him and our nation and to say, Lord, please don't do it. It's okay for us to ask. It's okay. If enough righteous people are in this nation, God can hold off judgment. Look what it says in Genesis 18. In verse 23, we looked at this before. Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? You know what God is looking for? God's looking for people who are innocent as an excuse to spare judgment. God's looking for that. And we need to understand too, there's a difference between righteousness for salvation and righteousness concerning certain sins. Okay? Did you know that it is while it's impossible, and I've talked about this before, for us to be righteous from sinning against God's perfect law. There's none righteous, no, not one. Okay? Every one of us has violated something in God's law and therefore, all of us need Jesus Christ as a Savior. But that doesn't mean we can't be righteous in other areas. If you, are, if you have never murdered anybody, you're righteous in that area. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of areas where we can be righteous people. And there are, there are some sins that God, will make God judge a nation. There are some sins that won't. And when it comes to the things that I believe God is going to judge this nation for, we can be righteous in those areas. Okay? We don't have to get abortions. We don't have to be perverts and sodomites. You know, we don't have to be thieves. We don't have to be crooked in our dealings and dishonest. We don't have, we don't have to be all of those things. And so if God is thinking about destroying our nation today, you know, because of all the sodomites, well, at the same time too, the more who are out there who aren't sodomites, the better chance we have. So you know what? Don't be a pervert. You know, don't, don't be a If God's thinking about destroying our nation because of all the babies we butcher, the more women that we have that have never butchered their babies, the more women we have that are giving birth to their children, that's more innocent people. God's looking for the innocent. God's looking for the righteous, not just the saved. If God's going to judge our nation for being crooked and, un, un, you know, and for uh, uneven balances and things like that, and that's talked about a lot. That was one of the things that got Israel in trouble. You can be saved and you can still be dishonest and kind of be a crook. And so, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're saved. If you're a crook too and God decides to judge this nation because of that, you're going down too. You're, you're going to get nailed too for those same things. And so, 
We've got to make sure we are not participating. We need under, so we've got, to, we've got to make sure when God is looking for people who He can pass over judgment with, that you know there are some of those people. And when God is looking for people that He can pass over with the judgment of death and hell, God's looking for the blood of Christ. When he, God is looking to judge a nation with war, famines, pestilences, because of you know the sins of perversion and fornication and theft and injustice. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for people who aren't participating in those sins or who are righteous in those areas. And so I you know as somebody who I would consider myself a free gracer, I'm embarrassed by people who because of the fact that all sins make one dependent on a savior, they jump to the conclusion of thinking that all sins are the same and that all sins have the same earthly consequences. That is absolutely foolish. It's just, it is dumb. It's, ig- it's, it's ignorance of epic proportions when people jump to that conclusion. And so just understand, yes, we're all sinners and we all need a Savior, but that doesn't mean we should not harshly condemn certain sins and demand that those things never take place among God's people and in the church and that, we, we, that, and that those things have greater punishments. That's just biblical. I'm not going to preach on that. But God is looking for the innocent. So folks, we've got to keep our nose clean. We've got to keep ourselves pure. We've got to keep ourselves separated from these things. The more people who are not participating in the perversion. You know, you, when you look at the human trafficking and the stuff, I mean, God, that's one of the things that God judges nations for. The stealing of souls. Human trafficking is out of control in this world. And let me tell you something. You participate in the pornography industry. You are contributing to the human trafficking problem in this world. And while none of us in here probably ever kidnapped anybody before, you know what? We got to make sure none of us, none of us are doing anything to support the human trafficking industry. We got to make sure that we got, we got to stay away from that stuff. Why? Because God's going to judge our nation for it. But if we've got enough people that are innocent, that have not done anything to contribute to those things, then we've got a better chance of making it through these things. And so another thing too, God even considers people innocent who just don't know anything yet. Because that's another thing too. And I'm going to show you something here that I think shows us why our perverted nation is doing some of the stuff it's doing. But remember Jonah 4.11. After Jonah's crying, because God's not judging Nineveh, and while he's making intercession against Nineveh, God says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand or their left hand and also much cattle. You know what he's saying? There's 120,000 people that don't even know the difference between right and wrong yet. God didn't want to judge them. The children, the youth, the innocent, God didn't want to judge them. They didn't know any better yet. The young children were considered a good reason for God to spare Nineveh. Now, it's not the only reason he spared Nineveh. But he said, it's a, good re- it's, a, it's a reason you should want me to spare this nation. God spared Nineveh because they did repent of the evil that they were doing. They did, and, But at the same time, one of the reasons God wanted to, and one of the reasons God told Jonah, you should be happy about this, is there's 120,000 children that don't know any better. But you know, in Deuteronomy 134, it says, And the Lord heard the voice of your words, and was wroth, and swear, saying, Surely there shall not... One of these men of this evil generation see the good land which I have sware to give unto your fathers. 
Save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thus also shalt thou not go in thither, but Joshua the son of Nun, which stand before thee, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn you, and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Notice, he said, I'm judging this whole generation except for the children. And notice he said they didn't know good and evil. So they were still considered innocent at that point, and they were not judged. So again, God's looking for innocence. God's looking for people who aren't participating, but even those who just don't know any better. The children are something that can help spare God's judgment. But you know what? I believe this is one of the reasons our nation, who I'm telling you, I believe our, our politicians are just so demon-possessed, it's not even funny. Because of the fact, too, no normal human being that's not just clinically insane, whose brain hasn't been completely warped from drugs or something, would support the junk that ours are supporting. Again, our governor and his obsession with killing babies, our governor and his obsession with trannies and all that kind of stuff. I mean, listen, the guy doesn't look like he's clinically insane and eating paint off the walls and stuff like that. So again, the only thing that could be motivating him is just either big donors or he's just full of demons. And I, and again, I do not apologize for that. Our, our president who is promoting all this tranny stuff, abortion and everything. I, I believe the man is just full of demons. And if you ever see him have an eloquent moment, it's probably because the demons are talking instead of him because he has no idea what's going on. He has absolutely no idea what is going on. But folks, this, listen, demons, they've been around for a long time and they've caused a lot of nations to fall. The devil has been in business for a long time. And let me tell you what they're doing right now. Because, because they want God's judgment to fall, I believe they are trying to defile our children and to steal their innocence. That is why they're pushing the stuff so young in the schools. That's why cartoons are teaching kids about preferred pronouns and all this transgender stuff. They are trying to defile them. And look what it says in Genesis 19. Because remember, God didn't judge the entire generation that came out of Egypt because there were children that didn't know the difference. But notice in Genesis 19, in the city that God did destroy, it says, but before they lay down, verse 4, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young and the people from every quarter. Notice that when they came to do their filthy, disgusting work, it was the old and young that were there. This nation had, this, this group had successfully defiled and turned their children into perps. And folks, it's weird how many young kids we have today. Supposedly, you know, they're, they're talking about denying health care. We're supposedly denying health care to trans kids. Meaning little kids who want to have their bodies mutilated. You know, folks, little kids don't want to have their bodies mutilated. No little kid wants to have their body mutilated. No little kid wants to have a sex change just on their own. 
Okay? Somebody's doing something to these kids. Somebody is corrupting their minds. Without a doubt, they're being molested. They're being hurt with, without a doubt. Any child who says they want a sex change, I think they ought, those parents ought to be investigated for abuse. And I think a lot of the abuse that they're getting is happening in their schools where they're shoving a lot of this stuff down their throats. They're so desperate to just mess these kids up. I mean, they want to get things passed so you don't even have to have parents' consent for their health care. Folks, this is, this is beyond messed up. And it doesn't make any sense unless we are trying to defile the innocent. We're trying to remove the innocent. Just, that's just one more thing. Do you know those, the, the children in this country? That's one more thing that's in between God and judgment. So what are they trying to do? Let's mess these kids up. Let's get them being perverted. Let's get them promoting this disgusting perversion and foolishness. That's what they're doing right now, folks. There's no doubt about it. And in Sodom, they had succeeded in doing it, and there weren't even ten righteous. They didn't, ha- they didn't have a bunch of innocents like Nineveh did. There weren't. Young and old, all messed up, one- loving violence, loving perversion. That kind of stuff doesn't happen on accident. It's an effort. and It's a, it's a movement. It's being promoted through Hollywood, through the news media, through the public school system, through our government. It is, and we are, it should be very obvious what's happening. It's very obvious. And we need to have a remnant of people who are not participating. And not only are we not participating, we've got to be standing against it. You know what? If God's going to judge this nation for the perversion, I get it. I got nothing I can say against God. But you know what? I hope when he does it, I hope people like me and I hope people like you are actively standing against it in the meantime. And I don't know. I just I think if there's enough of us actively speaking out against this stuff, standing against this stuff, I don't think God's going to want to rain fire and brimstone on us too. I know He doesn't want to. I know He doesn't want to. So let's keep standing in the gap. Let's keep saying stuff against us. Let's keep getting strikes on YouTube. Let's keep on getting in trouble. Let's keep on getting the pervs mad at us. Because what do we do? We're standing in the gap. If God's going to, you know, if God's going to judge this nation for perversion, I just, I've got a feeling that if the perverts are out there attacking me, you know, that's, that's going to help me out. You know what I just saw this week? And I got pretty excited when I saw it. I showed my wife. I, Sulu from Star Trek shared an article against me. There's an article all against me from one of my clips. And, and Sulu from Star I used to like that guy until I found out what he was. <laughs> And I'm like, I made Sulu mad. Yes. He wasn't sharing it in favor of me. It was against me. But, I was, but you know what? It's the Sulus. Of, they're the ones that are killing our country. They're the ones that are destroying this nation, that are bringing God's judgment. And when God decides, I'm going to judge this nation because of guys like Sulu, I hope guys like Sulu are saying stuff against me. And, and you know, he's mad at me for saying the same things that God says. That's, what we've, that's why we've got to keep speaking up, folks. We've got to keep standing against these things. Matthew 24, 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity abo- shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's why a lot of people are backing off, saying stuff. Because they're scared of having the Sulu say stuff against them. They're scared of the news media saying something against them. Somebody famous saying it against they're, they're scared to death of that. And so because of that, people just, they're quitting. 
Matthew 5.13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out, to be trodden under the foot of men. Listen, we're what's preserving this world. We're what's preserving this nation. And we've got to keep doing it. And everyone, everyone isn't doing it when it comes to the evil. And we need to make sure we continue to make up the hedge, stand in the gap, and recruit others to do the same. I do. I believe we are what's standing between God and judgment on this nation. And we are not guaranteed to not be, to go down with our nation. We're guaranteed to not be here for God's final wrath that's coming. But we are not guaranteed to be spared as a nation. And so in the meantime, I want to make intercession. And I want to make sure we are standing in the gap. And if, and if you are doing that, keep it up. Our nation needs you. Even though it acts like it doesn't want us. And it definitely acts that way. But they, but they do need us, and so we need to be there for them. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for those who have interceded for us. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us to be an intercession for others. I pray you'll help us to be like Moses and, uh, and to be like Christ in these areas. I pray you'll help us to, uh, Lord, while it can be discouraging with all the wickedness going on in this world, I pray you'll help us to uh, stay separated from these things and that we will live holy lives. We'll teach people the difference between the holy and profane. And I pray that uh, you will uh, spare judgment on this nation until the great day of your wrath comes. In your name we pray. Amen.